Welcome to the Heal Your Hormones podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Danielle. If you are returning, welcome back. If you are new here, I am a naturopathic doctor specializing in all things PCOS, women's hormones, and fertility. And it is really my mission to help women, help you understand your body, why you feel the way you do, and what you can do to take control of your health and really feel your absolute best. So I work with clients one-on-one virtually, as well as in my six-week program, the PCOS Pregnancy Protocol, where I help women heal the root cause of PCOS so they can have regular periods and get pregnant naturally. If you're interested in learning more, you can visit drdaniellederoche.com, which is also linked in the show notes below this episode, or follow me on Instagram and TikTok at drdaniellederoche.com where I share a ton more information about daily changes you can be making to improve your hormonal health and improve your fertility. All right, now let's get to the episode. Today I'm joined by Sarah Mercer, who is a registered dental hygienist and myofunctional therapist. Essentially, she is a personal trainer for the tongue and mouth. She works with patients who have airway disorders such as sleep apnea and low tongue posture, which actually can cause nervous system dysregulation and hormonal imbalance, which we'll get into in this episode. Um, So Sarah, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to chat today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. It's kind of an um, uncharted territory topic where a lot of people aren't familiar. So I'm really excited to talk about it today. Yeah, absolutely. I just kind of discovered the world of myofunctional therapy this past year because I had heard from somebody on Instagram, I was watching their tongue tie journey. And then I looked in the mirror and I was like, Oh my God, my tongue's not supposed to look like that. Like my whole life. I knew, I knew what it looked like. I just didn't realize that other people's weren't tied down like mine was. So went through the process Mm -hmm. of getting it released and have been doing, um, like myofunctional therapy visits every week for the past, I think four or five months at this point. So it's been really amazing. Yeah. It's been crazy to see like what, all is involved with it and how it really can impact so many aspects of our health. And it's not talked about, or even talked about by our dentists. A lot of the times I've found at least. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'd love to hear from you just kind of a little bit about you and how you decided to kind of get into the realm of myofunctional therapy. Sure. So I'm a registered dental hygienist. I've been practicing since 2014 and I'm actually a myofunctional patient myself. So this is kind of like a full circle moment for me that I became a myofunctional therapist. So I was a practicing dental hygienist um, in clinical practice in a dental office for years. And then I just so happened to take a sleep dentistry, sleep medicine, continuing education course for my dental hygiene license. And I said, wait a minute, this is sounding like all of the issues that I've been having where I wake up tired, um, exacerbated anxiety, depression, hormonal imbalances. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think this is the answer to so many of the problems that I've had. So I honestly just stumbled into it. Um, But I, like I said, I'm a patient myself. So I've had orthodontics, I've had braces three times because nobody caught my tongue tie. Um, And I have a tongue thrust, which is when you swallow your tongue comes forward and it hits your front teeth. So my teeth always have shifted because of my tongue. And again, nobody identified that I had a tongue tie, but I had an orthodontist in the late nineties when I got my braces for the first time when I was 10 years old. He was very forward thinking. Um, And he actually sent me to, there was one myofunctional therapist here in Las Vegas where I live. um, And she was a speech language pathologist. And so she tried to teach me where my tongue should be. But now that I'm a myofunctional uh, myofunctional therapist, I realized 
he was missing the tongue tie aspect, the fact that my tongue was tethered and stuck to the floor of my mouth. So she did the best she could. And the orthodontist, at least like the fact that he even knew what that was, uh, biofunctional therapy used to be called, and it's still sometimes called tongue thrust therapy. So a lot of kids with tongue thrust, um, the orthodontist, if they know anything, they will send them to like the tongue thrust therapist. So I did tongue thrust therapy when I was 10 uh, and realized that there was that missing piece of my tongue tie and my airway. And now as an adult, I went through the whole process like you did at my tongue tie release and the malfunctional therapy. So that's, that's my story of how I went from patient to malfunctional therapist myself. That's amazing. So malfunctional therapists, are they typically dental hygienists or is it a mix of different professions that then go into the specialty? Yeah, so there's a mix, but you have to have special training in head and neck anatomy. So the two most common professions that become myofunctional therapists are speech language pathologists and registered dental hygienists. So a lot of there's a misconception that dental hygienists, oh, you clean teeth and like that's all you do. Um, but we actually usually have between four and five year degrees in head and neck anatomy, pathologies of the mouth, um, how oral health affects systemic health, diet, nutrition, oral microbiome. Um, and there's just so many things that go into being a dental hygienist. So a lot of people, like I said, you might be like, why is a dental hygienist not a functional therapist? In 48 of the 50 states in the United States, dental hygienists, we give local anesthetic, we give injections. So you have to know exactly where that needle is going with nerve branches, with muscles. So that's why dental hygienists make great myofunctional therapists is we have head and neck anatomy training. We're like, this is our specialty from our head to our neck. That's what we focus on. So there's a mix that I would say primarily the SLPs and the RDHs, um, but sometimes you'll find occupational therapists. Um, and sometimes physical therapists, but generally speaking, um, it has to be somebody who has a license and a, a degree, like an education focusing in head and neck anatomy, because that's what we're working on. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure my myofunctional therapist is an occupational therapist. Mm -hmm. I, should, I should know that hundred percent. If she's yeah. listening, I'm so sorry, but I'm pretty no. sure it's OT. <laughs> um, can you explain for anyone listening who doesn't understand like what is myofunctional therapy? That's a great question. So kind of how you mentioned earlier, myofunctional therapy, I am, I tell people I'm essentially your personal trainer for your mouth. That's the best way to describe it. So your tongue is a muscle, just like any other muscle in your body. And so we're training the tongue, we're toning it and we're training it to rest where it's supposed to be. So the goal of myofunctional therapy is to achieve proper oral rest posture. And that is where your tongue is lightly suctioned to the roof of your mouth, all the way from the tip to the very back of the tongue up on the soft palate your lips are lightly closed and you're breathing through your nose 24 seven. So that's proper oral rest posture. And that is the ultimate goal of myofunctional therapies to get that to be subconscious. And you're doing it 24 seven, except for when you're eating, drinking, speaking, of course. Um, so that's the goal of myofunctional therapy. So the myofunctional therapy is a set of personalized exercises for each person, depending on what their oral rest posture is. And so you mentioned like you had a tongue tie and your tongue was kind of stuck to the floor of your mouth. So the goal of myofunctional therapy is to tone your tongue so that we can release it if it is stuck and train your tongue where it should be, where it should have been your whole life so far that it just wasn't able to reach. Now, this might be a loaded question, but why aren't all dentists, I feel like looking for this? I'm like, I've had a tongue tie my whole <laughs> life. 
And I've had all these issues. Like for me, it was periodontal disease. I've always had, even though I've been really good about flossing and brushing and I'm healthy and I never understood like, why do I have periodontal disease? It's always been an issue. And at no point did a dentist say, well, you have a tongue tie, you're probably mouth breathing and that's, what's causing it. Mouth breathing. So I, that's, that's a great question. And unfortunately, this is not taught in dental school, dental hygiene school, med school. This is all advanced training beyond school where we spend thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours doing continuing our, our education in it. Hopefully one day this will become general curriculum. Um, and just, I want, I want to say it's 2017 or 2018 that the American Dental Association came out with a statement that all dental health professionals should be screening for sleep disordered breathing or um, sleep disturbances because we are in the mouth all day. So basically the answer to your question is the doctors and the hygienists and your just your general practitioner, they don't know, we don't know what we don't know, right? So like I said, I just happened to take a course in sleep medicine. I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And I took a course. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so important. And now looking back, I'm like, I wish I could go back in time to all of the patients I had over these, you know, nine years and say, oh my gosh, you don't need a night guard. You need, well, you do need a night guard because I don't want you to fracture and break your teeth or wear them down, but that's not the answer to your problems. That's just a band-aid. So I wish I could go back in time and tell people what I know now, but unfortunately, like I said, this is not taught in dental school, medical school, hygiene school. So in, in the dental world, in dental school and, and dental hygiene school, we are taught to look for a tongue tie, which is everybody has a frenulum. It's that piece of skin underneath your tongue. Randomly, some people genetically don't have it, which is not a problem, but 99% of the population has a frenum and it's the piece of skin that connects your tongue to the floor of your mouth. It's okay. It's a problem if it's too short, too tight, or if it impedes function. Usually it's all three. So in dental hygiene school, dental school, we're taught that the frenulum everybody's frenulum is there unless it's literally connecting the very tip of the tongue to the floor of the mouth and the patient can't lift their tongue or if it does if it's causing speech problems that's the only time we're taught to look at a frenulum as a problem so if you ask the patient and i literally clearly going back in my head to dental hygiene school I had a patient with severe periodontal disease he had a tongue tie now looking back i can see that he had a tongue tie and I remember asking him like, hey, does this bother you? Like, does your tongue? And he was like, no, I'm used to it. I was like, oh, okay. Now that I know what I know, I wish I could go back in time and be like, wait, this is a huge problem. So the answer to your question is, this is not taught as general curriculum. So it, you know, I would say give the doctors some grace because we don't know what we don't know. So if they haven't been trained in sleep dentist, dentistry or medicine, they don't know. But hopefully the trends are starting to show that I think this is going to become more like taught in general curriculum. So like fingers crossed, I think that's the the path that we're headed on. Yeah. Cause I know, I mean, obviously with babies who can't feed, it's caught early on and corrected and they don't really have issues with it. Moving Sometimes forward. <laughs> Do you think like you think that they're caught and actually like I work with a lot of adults myself, I wasn't caught as a child. You weren't caught as a child. And I have a lot of moms who, um, have trouble breastfeeding. And the only reason they start looking at themselves for tongue ties is because their babies have one. But I, I have so many, so many clients who are like, Oh, I couldn't breastfeed. And I didn't know why. And so we just went to bottle feeding. And then I look at their kids who are, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old. And, and we find out that they have tongue ties. So it's not always taught. And actually it's, I'd say more, way more underdiagnosed than actually diagnosed. But um, if we go back and look at um, like midwifery with midwives, midwives used to actually take their thumbnail and swipe underneath the baby's tongue when they were born. 
to release any tissue if there was any. Now that we've kind of we've moved more toward hospital births and things like that, that practice has kind of been lost. Uh, but in old textbooks of midwifery, they're like, okay, swipe your finger underneath the baby's tongue. So we already kind of had this knowledge before and it's kind of been lost. And now we are realizing like, oh, these are problems. And so, like you said, they're being caught with babies. I'd say like in the last couple of years, we are looking more and finding these things, but I still see so many kids fly under the radar where they're not caught even in infancy. Yeah. As soon as I found out I had one, I went to my niece and nephew who are seven and three and I was like, open your mouth, lift your tongue up, mm-hmm. make sure you don't have this because I don't want you in, you know, 28 years later to have to deal with this. Well, um, the big thing to note too, is it's really about function. So you, and that's why like, I always recommend everybody. I'm like, literally anybody with a tongue could benefit from a myofunctional like consultation to look and see what your oral rest posture is. Because some people will say, oh, I can lift my tongue. So therefore I don't have a tongue tie. Like when I, I have a, I just had my tongue tie release, but I could lift my tongue all the way to right behind my two front teeth with my mouth wide open. I had a posterior tongue tie, which means it was towards the back of my tongue, not the front. The floor of my mouth, all the muscles under my tongue helped my tongue lift. And my other, my swallowing was dysfunctional. I had other things. So you can't tell just by, you know, we have to test function. We have to see like, where can your tongue move? Does your jaw move with your tongue? So like, there's a great way, like that's great to do a self-assessment, but really in order to see if there's a tie present, you have to assess function and see if there's function or dysfunction going on. That's good to know. I might have to make my sister bring them to a therapist now. Um, So what are orofacial myofunctional disorders? That's a good question. So oral facial myofunctional disorders are problems with the muscle function and the way the bones grew and it causes um, different side effects like poor sleep, airway obstruction, um, brain fog, tired hormone disruption, things like that. So if your tongue, basically your tongue is the scaffolding for your jaw. Your tongue is what grows your jaw, your upper jaw widened forward, and then your lower jaw should follow. So if your tongue is not resting where it should be 24-7, if it's low in the mouth, it's called low tongue posture, your maxilla, your upper jaw, does not grow wide and forward. It grows more narrow. The bottom jaw doesn't grow forward either, and now your airway is compromised. So if your tongue is not resting where it should be, your face, it actually grows differently. So form follows function. So how your muscles are functioning is how your skeleton is going to grow. Yeah. I was like shocked when the dentist first did my evaluation and looked at me and he was like, oh yeah, your face is long and narrow because Mm -hmm. it's like Mm -hmm. basically dropping down to make room for you to breathe. Mm -hmm. Um, It's wild. Um, I'd love for you to expand more on how they impact hormones. Very cool. So I think the biggest way they affect hormones are two different ways. One is where the tongue is resting. Two is sleep. So let's just say during the day. So let's talk about during the day first. Your tongue resting on the roof of your mouth, when you swallow properly and you use the right muscles, you actually activate the vagus nerve, which is your rest and digest nerve. Okay. So the rest and digest nerve tells us, hey, everything's cool. Everything's fine. You don't need to be in fight or flight mode. You don't need to have your adrenaline going, your cortisol rate, stuff like that. So if your tongue is low in the mouth and you're mouth breathing, a couple of things. One, when you are mouth breathing, that's fight or flight. You are it's telling your body like, hey, we're running from a predator. And like, our, and you don't have fa- your faculties of keeping your mouth closed. So it raises your cortisol levels and it gets your stress hormones raised, which 
you know, hormones are like a site, you know, a, a cycle, a feedback loop where if one of them's off, it can make the other ones off and it's like a cascade. So it sends us into fight or flight mode during the day. Um, and then the other thing is when you're mouth breathing, you're more shallow breathing. So you're usually breathing into your chest and not into using your diaphragm and you're getting too much carbon dioxide out of your blood. You have to have some carbon dioxide in your body because it's a balance between oxygen oxygen and carbon dioxide. If you don't have enough CO2, carbon dioxide, you're not going to get the right blood oxygen exchange and you're going to have less oxygen in your blood. So that's when you get that hyperventilation where you're breathing too much. And that hyperventilation tells our body, hey, we are in fight or flight mode. So it's really about the stress hormones. Um, and then at night we have same thing, a lot of stress hormones. So what we know just in general, like if you have poor sleep, your hormones are completely out of whack. Like your sleep is what regenerates your body and keeps things, the machine running properly. So if your sleep is off, um, your hormones are going to be completely off. And that's why like quality sleep is so important. Quantity of sleep can never make up for quality of sleep. So even if you sleep like nine, 10, 11 hours, if you're not sleeping in the right sleep cycles at the right times, and if you have obstruction in your airway and say you're either choking or getting less oxygen than you should, you're getting less than optimal sleep and your body's suffering. It's paying for it. And so some people tell me like, well, I feel like I sleep fine or like, you know, I don't notice that I sleep poorly, but we do a sleep study. And then like, we find out that they are waking up every five minutes, like in the middle of the night and they don't know. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, it's your normal, but it's not normal. And so once we get those things fixed, they're like, oh my gosh, I sleep so much better, but I didn't realize how bad it was until I saw that there was something better. Um, and so I feel that way. Like I had my tonsils out. I got my tonsils out, my tongue tie relief and my turbinates, which are tissue in the nose reduced. I can breathe so much easier now, but I didn't realize how much labor it took to breathe before. Cause I didn't know any different. So it's the same thing with sleep. And so what happens with the tongue is if it is not fully suctioned to the palate, that's what keeps your airway open is your tongue being suctioned to the palate. So if your tongue is not suctioned, if you can't do it during the day, there's no way you're doing it at night. And I have a lot of all, pretty much all my clients, they can suction their tongue and get maybe like the first half or two thirds up on the roof of the mouth. And then the back drops off. And when the back drops off, that's a red flag that there's a tongue tie underneath pulling it down. But what happens is when you lay down to go to sleep, your muscles relax. Your, if your muscles relax and your tongue relaxes, your tongue will fall back into your throat in your airway. It will cause obstruction. Your mouth will drop open so that you can breathe. Your mouth is your escape hatch. You shouldn't use your mouth for anything but eating and talking. So if you're breathing through your mouth, it's, it's a sign that there's dysfunction and there's an emergency basically. So your mouth will drop open, you'll breathe through your mouth and all night long, you're getting less than optimal oxygen. And so there's two different types of, well, I guess there's more than one, but there's at least two different types of um, sleep disordered breathing. So we look at sleep apnea as an apneic event is where you stop breathing. And so how we diagnose sleep apnea, there's two different kinds. There's obstructive sleep apnea, which there's an obstruction, something blocking the airway. And then there's central sleep apnea, which is a, a neurological, it's brain related, and it's like narcolepsy and stuff like that. Most of the time it's obstructive. It's, it's more rare that it's neurological, that it has to do with the brain. Mostly it's people are choking on their tissue because of these myofunctional disorders. So what can happen is, you can do a sleep study and see if you have sleep apnea or, uh, or not. But the biggest thing that goes undiagnosed is upper airway resistance syndrome. And we actually call this, the nickname is the young fit female syndrome, because that's the most common demographic 
that gets missed because you're not the big beefy overweight guy with a thick neck who's snoring like a freight train like all night long. And so a lot of women will fly, fly under the radar because you're not snoring super loud and you may just be choking and not know it. So the only way that we can measure that is through a sleep study. And it's important to see the right provider to read that. Otherwise, some of these things like the upper airway resistance syndrome can go undiagnosed as well. Now, I know like when they asked me, do you sleep with your mouth open? I was like, well, I don't really know. Like exactly. Know yeah. You're sleeping. <laughs> yeah. Like occasionally I wake up my mouth's open, but, um, you know, they, I know they said like one of the signs for me was that I was waking up in the middle of the night to drink water, like chug water. Um, so could you expand on like maybe some other signs or symptoms that people might experience that may indicate that they are mouth breathing at night? Yeah, so definitely, um, I always recommend they have some apps on the phones that are like to test and like, or to record you to see if like you snore. So I have some people who are like, I don't snore and either they snore and their partners, like even if they sleep with a partner, like you guys are both sleeping. So I have some people who are like, oh, I, I snore. And then I have them record themselves. They're like, oh my gosh, like I snore and I didn't know it. I'm like, yeah, because you're sleeping. So you're, you're not aware of what you're doing when you're sleeping. Uh, but things to look for waking up more than once a night. Um, if you have to go to the bathroom a lot during the middle of the night, um, if you wake up with your hands above your head, that's a body mechanism to open the airway. So if you constantly wake up with your arms like up above your head, that's a red flag. Um, if you wake up, like you said, with dry mouth, um, waking up tired, you probably are have some type of obstruction or mouth breathing. Um, sleep talking, sleep walking are like severe signs that there's something going wrong because those systems should be shutting off when you're sleeping. So if you're walking and talking when you're sleeping, th those systems are haywire and they're they're the basically the lines are getting crossed somewhere where you're not actually entering the right sleep cycles at the right times. Now, um, does position like position preference for sleeping, like if people prefer to sleep on their side or their stomach versus their back, is that an indicator or not so much? No, it definitely is. I feel like uh, a lot of people will say, oh, it's uncomfortable for me to sleep on my back. I feel like I can't breathe. That's a red flag. Like you should be able to sleep on your back with your mouth closed, tongue up, breathing through your nose. Um, so if you have a preference where you're like, oh, I feel like I can breathe better if I sleep on my side or my stomach you need to have that evaluated to see why is it uncomfortable for you to lay on your back because that's the most obstructive position. So if you feel uncomfortable in that position, then we need to figure out why that is. Okay. Now, if somebody is thinking, okay, maybe I should get evaluated for this. What are some questions they can ask their provider, um, you know, to know if they're seeing the right person, if they are airway trained? So that's, well, like you said, you just got lucky that you finally got some answers and you're like, why did my dentist not know this? So it's very important to find the right trained providers. Like I had two sleep physicians read my sleep study and um, for sleep apnea diagnosis, you have to stop breathing for five, for 10 seconds. Um, and then that's considered an apneic event. So you have to stop breathing five times an hour for 10 seconds or more to be diagnosed with obstructive sleep apnea. I stopped breathing four and a half times an hour. And then they were like, oh, Sarah, you're fine. I'm like, mm, that doesn't sound right. I was like, wait, why am I stopping breathing at all? So a lot of doctors don't even ask these next questions of like, why? Like they just accept like, oh, okay, well you stop breathing. But like, why? Like, why am I not breathing? You know? So I was like, if I stopped breathing four and a half times an hour during the day, people would be like, are you okay? Like what's going on? And so I'm like, why doesn't, why is it any different when I'm sleeping? So I went to two sleep physicians and they're like, oh, Sarah, you're fine. 
And then I went to uh, Dr. Zoggy at the Breathe Institute. He's amazing. He's my ENT. He's an airway um, ENT, a sleep physician, and he's like the guru of releasing tongue ties properly. And so he actually did my tongue tie release and um, he looked at my sleep study and he's like, um, yeah, you only, you know, quote unquote, only stop breathing four and a half times an hour, uh, but you never enter REM sleep and your blood oxygen is dropping from 98% to 86%. So if I was wow. in the hospital, they put me on oxygen. So all night long, my brain, my brain cells are dying. My, like, I'm not getting enough oxygen to my brain, to my heart. This is going to cause like Alzheimer's disease or heart failure. Like I can't keep going. I'm 31. So I have a lot of people where they start getting these health problems and they're like in their fifties or sixties. And I'm like, this didn't happen yesterday. Your body is a machine and over time it can wear out. And so I had two doctors tell me I was fine until I found the right doctor who was like, oh no, you're definitely not fine. <laughs> you you have issues and let's fix them because you're choking at night. And I'm like, oh, thank you. So he was the first doctor. I said, you're the first doctor who's actually like looked at my symptoms and not just like gone by the rudimentary, like, oh, let's look at your AHI, just this one number. Like he looked at everything as a whole. So something to ask your provider, I usually say the first question should be, um, do you work with myofunctional therapists? And like, do you know what myofunctional therapy is? If they say no, they're not airway trained enough, go somewhere else. Um, you also need to ask them, um, do you work with, uh, do you do tongue tie releases? Are you trained in functional frenuloplasties? Are you trained in function, not just releasing the skin, but have you had training in functional frenuloplasties? And if they don't even know what that is, a lot of them will say, oh, I know how to like release the tongue, like release the frenum. But if they don't know what a functional frenuloplasty is, that's a red flag that they don't, they're not airway trained enough. They don't know what they're talking about really. So I'd say those are like the two, the two big questions. Like if the myofunctional therapy, if they say like, oh no, I, I don't work with mouth. I don't know what that is, whatever. That's a red flag. And then the other question is, do you do tongue tie releases without consulting with the myofunctional therapist? Because if a person's airway trained, they won't touch you until the myofunctional therapist gives the okay because they know if your tongue is not toned enough and it's not it's not being able to suction the way it's supposed to, they're not going to get the deep connective tissue that's the real problem. They'll get the skin in like the superficial like front part. They're not going to get the back part. So if they if you walk into an office and they're like, well, we could cut that for you today, run away. That is the wrong place to be. So those are some just easy, easy um, ways to know. And when I work with clients, I always tell people, I'm like, this is really sad that patients have to find, have to know what to look for. It's like trying to find a needle in a haystack, trying to find the right provider. So when I work with my clients with myofunctional therapy, I help them find the right providers who are airway trained. I, that's part of my service. So finding a myofunctional therapist who has a network of people um, is super helpful because then you don't have to go digging for this needle in a haystack by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I remember the dentist that I met with um, it's like a, actually a husband wife duo pair, the husband's the dentist who does the release. And then his wife's the occupational therapist who does the myofunctional therapy. And I thought that I was going to go to the first day and just get it released and go home and be good to go. And he, I, he was like, no, this is just the evaluation. Then you have to do two months of therapy with her before I'll even touch you. Um, you know, Amazing, you have yep. to like gain strength in the tongue to be able to suction it. I mean, I had to hold my tongue up for like 45 minutes and then on top of it, they want to make sure you're like you know, like those like arteries and the nerves and whatnot are like far enough back and it's a safe procedure too. So yeah, I love that. I feel like everything you just said, I was like, okay, check, check, check. My, check, my check, people check, did yeah. all of that. So I'm yep, like, great, great, I found someone good. You did. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you, um, like work with your clients? Like, is it all virtual? And then you're like finding them people who can do the release for them wherever they're located, or do you work with somebody local to you? 
both. <laughs> so I do all of my myofunctional therapy is virtual. I do consultations, virtual myofunctional therapy. Um, so I mail out a myofunctional kit with all of the things we're going to need for their myofunctional therapy. But then we meet um, just face to face over, you know, over virtual. Um, so it's like I'm in the room with you. Um, and so I do all virtual. I do. I live in Las Vegas, so I work with some dentists and providers here locally. But I'd say most of my clientele is self-referred from social media, actually. So I get patients from all over the country and actually all over the world. So I have a few um, in Europe, um, Australia, um, different places in the world and Qatar, so like the Middle East. So I work with people all over the world, which is so cool that we can do that with virtual Mayo. Um, so I see people all over, but the good news, the good and the bad news about Mayo is, and myofunctional therapy and airway medicine is it's very niche. So unfortunately, there's only so many people who like are, are qualified to do this stuff, but that means everybody kind of knows everybody. So I have my list of providers like throughout the world that I found that are airway trained. So I help them find, but if I, if I need to, I reach out to my colleagues and I'm like, Hey, do you know anybody in this area? Now I will say, because this is so niche, I tell my clients, like, I will help you find somebody as close as possible, but you may have to travel a little bit. So for example, we have one airway dentist who's trained here in Las Vegas and she mostly works with infants. We have no airway trained ENTs. So I drive five hours to Los Angeles to get what I need because that's the closest to me. So I always tell people like, Hey, we can get you in with somebody, but like, if I don't know who they are, I can't, you know, I can't vouch for them. And it's kind of like, do you want to gamble or do you want to go where we know for sure that person is trained? So for me, I was like, mm, I don't want to gamble. I have one face. I have like, I don't want to mess this up. So I, I traveled, I just drove five hours and it was totally worth it. So it, to answer your question, I help people find, you know, people as close to them as possible. But if you're, you know, I have a client right now who is in South Dakota. And I'm like, eh, we might have to travel a little bit because that's a very rural area. And unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of providers who are trained in this in that area. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, when I looked into it, I got really lucky, you know, the first Google search, I'm in Atlanta. And so it mm -hmm. was the Tongue Tai Laser Center of Atlanta. Said, yeah. And I, I was like, oh, really? <laughs> so that's that's yeah, so funny. Yeah. So yeah. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, Oh, you know, I, I'm so lucky that they're so close. And I mean, most of my myofunctional therapy appointments are on zoom as well, but I was thinking like, how would anyone who's not in a major city like so this who has access to that? Functional therapist was Amelia. Yeah. So, yep. <laughs> See, so there's the, I, the, small the world. world is super small. So that's like how I hope I'm like, yes, we all kind of know each other. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. That's so great to know that like people, even if they're not in a major city, they can do the myofunctional therapy before and after, and then maybe just travel. I mean, obviously, like which what, is, yeah, you know, we, and I, I do have that happen where sometimes like we do all the myo, um, we do like a virtual consultation or worst case scenario, they have to do one in-person consultation and then they go one more time for the procedure and that's it. So it's not like they have to travel for the Mayo, like we do it all. And then maybe they have to make one or two trips. And so, yeah, exactly. But it's, it's nice that it's virtual and I'm so glad we're in this digital age <laughs> where you can do it from like the comfort of your home. Yeah. Yeah. And I love like the root cause approach. Like you mentioned, like figuring out the why, cause like from the periodontal standpoint, I I've gone to holistic dentists in the past who were really great, but from the periodontal side of things, they'd be like, Oh, we're just going to do periodontal cleanings every three or four months. And I'm like, for the rest of my life. Like this is expensive. This is like time consuming. And at no point was it like, well, why do you have periodontal disease? You know, like you're a healthy person. You shouldn't be struggling with this as much as you do. And you know, that was five, six years ago. And I wish at that point they had just been like, oh, the tongue tie is the issue. If we fix the tongue tie, you won't need to do these expensive invasive cleanings every few months. 
but hindsight I know yeah. hindsight's 2020 right so yeah <laughs> yeah I guess I the dental I world go, is would... just like the conventional medical world too I guess exactly yep exactly yeah um well where can people find you on social media or website if they're wanting to learn more potentially get evaluated and kind of see if they should be going down this path for themselves yeah so I do all virtual 30-minute consultations so if you're like hey this sounds like me or maybe you know my hormones are out of whack I feel like I'm tired when I wake up trouble concentrating. Um, I have dry mouth, all these things that we talked about clenching and grinding is another huge red flag. That's 99% of the time. It's an airway problem. It's not a stress. It's a stress problem because you're not sleeping. So if it's, it's like, wait, these kind of sound like me. I always say like, it, it would never hurt to just do a 30 minute consultation with me where I can look at your oral rest posture, look where your tongue is at and say, Hey, I see dysfunction or this looks good. Um, so you can reach me. My website is revealmyotherapy.com. Um, and my, all my social media is at healthy mouth, healthy life. Um, so you can find me on TikTok, on Instagram, and I have a lot of informational videos and like, uh, what do it, what does a tongue tie look like? So I have videos of before I had my tongue tie release. And then I have videos of showing you exactly what my tongue tie release looks like. So if you're interested to be like, wait, what is a tongue tie? What is all this stuff? What does this look like? Then you can see some visuals. So I'm on social media and then you can go directly to my website as well and just schedule a 30 minute consultation. If this sounds like something that may benefit you. Awesome. Yeah. And I definitely, if you are like even debating it, I would say just do it because there are so many things in my health, both like anxiety related and physical health that I had no idea that were tied to it, tied to the tongue tie and the poor, <laughs> no pun, yeah, yeah right. no pun intended in the, in the poor resting posture that I was just like mind blown by. So I thought it was super informative and it's been like kind of fun to be going through this the past few months. Um, I still have like, I think another eight months ahead of me, but, um, yeah, it's been really informative. So I definitely recommend reaching out, but thank you so much for talking with me today. Um, I love this topic. I feel like if I wasn't doing the hormone thing, I feel like this would be a great option for me. Cause it's like, just so fascinating. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. I think it will definitely be helpful for some of the listeners who have kind of already followed along with my journey to get more insight into it by somebody who actually knows what they're talking about and not just someone who's experiencing it. Um, I will definitely link your social media and the website as well in the show notes for anyone listening who wants to reach out. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me and good luck on your journey. I'm so excited for you. Thank you.